Good evening. I want to start by reading from Romans chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. It says, I commend to you our sister Joyce Sledge, who is a servant of the church, which is at Abilene, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you, for she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. Greet Debbie and James McCoy, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the church that is in their house. Greet Tom Bailey, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Jenna Sprott, who has worked hard for you. Greet Chad Dozier and Zinni Baeza, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are outstanding among the peoples, uh, among the apostles, I should say, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Barbara Dunn, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Jordan Wright, our fellow worker in Christ, and Denise Cutberth, my beloved. Greet Mike Drachenberg, the approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of the Thorntons. Greet Murphy Rhodes, my kinsman. Greet those of the household of Smith who are in the Lord. Greet Lisa and Thomas Reed, workers in the Lord. Greet Voline, the beloved who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Mark Shannon, a choice man in the Lord, also his mother and mine. Greet Clay and Clinton and Don, Ryan and Brian and the brethren with them. Greet Brent Kofer and Linda, Luke Burnham and his sister and Wayne Rutherford and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. So obviously I took a little license with the text, but I was trying to make a point and avoid pronouncing those difficult names all at the same time. What a group of workers. It's like Paul is making an acceptance speech. You know, I would like to thank so-and-so and so-and-so. I mean, he's just running down the list of all the people who have made this church great and his ministry to succeed. And I did the same thing to make the same point. And I could have inserted a whole host of names because we have so many dedicated workers here at Oldham Lane. In essence, Paul is saying, you are what makes the church great. You, working in harmony with one another while joined to the head that is Jesus Christ. I want you to look at another passage with me. With me. This one is found in Romans chapter 12. Let's begin reading in verse 3. It says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one in body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service, in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Notice, for just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function. That's a key phrase. You know what strikes me about that? That every church member has a function. How can you not come to that conclusion? Not all church members have the same function, but they all have a function. Are you a member of the Lord's church? If the answer is yes, then the next question is, so what is your function? What are you doing? 
because everyone has a function. Membership is not about having your name on the roster. Membership is about a function to perform. Church membership is functioning membership. It means that we are all necessary parts of the whole. And Paul makes it crystal clear that we are connected to one another and dependent upon one another. Paul also makes it clear that members, while they're different, still work together. Some are hands, some are feet, some are ears, some are eyes. There are no insignificant parts, as we talked about this morning. All functions are important. Everyone has a job to do, which means that if you're not doing your job, then the whole body suffers. The body is deformed if the ear is missing or the eye is not working. You know, there are four major bones in the church. There are wish bones, wishing someone would do something. There are jaw bones, those who do a lot of talking but never get anything done. There are knuckle bones, those who knock everything. And then there are backbones. Those are those who bear the load and do most of the work. Do you realize that all of us are called to be backbones? Why do you think God adds us to the church? What do you think that means? I mean, if God established his church, if it were a part of his eternal plan from the very beginning, and if he sent his only begotten son to die for it, do you think your being added to the church is significant? If God adds someone to this blood-bought body, you better believe it means something. I disagree with the way we commonly define church membership. I do agree with those who say it's merely a modern-day construct. I don't think it's out of line for an eldership to expect Christians to meet with them and, and to formally express their desire to be a part of the local congregation. I mean, if you're charged with the oversight of the flock, then you need to know who you're overseeing. I think the shepherds have a God-given right to know who is under their care. But I do see how some might consider the modern-day take on church membership or placing membership to be a little bit unscriptural. However, when God adds you to his church, you had better believe that membership comes with great responsibility. Let's look at it from another perspective. I want you to notice what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. He says, And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter states that Christians, church members, are living stones in a spiritual house, which means that all of us together are built up to support an entire structure. A house will not stand very long if you remove even one brick. Each time you remove a brick, even one that may seem rather insignificant, it makes the structure weaker. If you take out enough bricks, then that structure is going to be compromised and it will eventually fall. You see the correlation? I support my part of the building by doing my work. I must ensure that the integrity of this structure isn't compromised. You know, Paul often compared the church to an army as well. He spoke about all the members are to put on the full armor of God because, as he put it, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. In an army, there are those who desert the ranks, Paul addresses this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, when he writes, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, but be patient with everyone. The word unruly here is a military term that means disorderly, 
or one who leaves the ranks or deserts his post. But then consider what Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 3. He says, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. So a soldier is to be totally dedicated to his work. He must be dedicated to his fellow soldiers and to their mission. That is why church membership is so important. When you were added to the Lord's church, God enlisted you in his army. You must fight. You must be ready and willing to die for this cause. You're not just a member. You're a soldier, and soldiers fight. But I want you to notice one more analogy that Paul uses. He compares the church to a bride. In Ephesians 5, 25 and following, he writes, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Each and every church member has a personal responsibility to be faithful to the bridegroom. Christ wants his church to remain holy and pure. The only way for this to happen is for each and every church member to realize his or her own personal responsibility in this regard. So, you are a body part, you are a living stone, you are a soldier, you are a bride because you are a member of the Lord's church. You work, you support, you fight, you promote faithfulness and purity. That's what it means to be a church member. It's not, it's not about simply telling the elders, I'm here. It's about getting your name, not just in the directory. It's not just about perks. It's not just about you know being on the roll. It's about being part of something that's bigger than yourself. So how? How can I be a functioning church member? Well, first of all, I think it's important to point out that it starts with being present. Obviously, there is no function without presence. A common complaint heard among church members is that they don't feel like they're a part of the body, and all too often the reason is because they really haven't committed to being present. So it starts with that. Function starts with presence. Remember this. At some point, you have to take off the bib and put on an apron. As babes in Christ, we wear a bib as we ingest the pure milk of the Word. However, there is a growth process that moves one from milk to meat. It also moves us from removing the bib to putting on the apron as we no longer have to be spoon-fed. In the beginning, we have a more passive role, but as we grow, we should be taking on a more active role. And... We've said this before, but point a finger or raise a hand. There's a difference between the two. Too many folks want to point out everything that is wrong rather than raising a hand and saying, pick me, here I am, tell me what needs to be done. It's easy to point a finger. What's not easy is to dig in and be a part of the solution. And then remember the difference between searching and building Searching is important as we all seek to find the church that, that we can plant some roots. But there are some who are perpetually looking for the perfect church, and they'll eventually discover that their search will always end in disappointment. Maybe instead of searching for the perfect church, we should help this church, the church that we're a part of, be the best that it can be. Ask yourself, what can I bring to the table? How can I help 
fill some of the holes. And we've also in the past talked about in our new members, new Christians class, things like this. Be here at every service, when humanly possible, of course. Join a small group, great way to connect. Be involved in at least one ministry. Don't be a, a, a pew potato where you just sit and fill a pew. Study the Bible every day. Bible reading plans are plentiful. And then pray three times a day. You know, the beautiful thing about prayer is that it can be done anywhere. However, always make time to be alone with God. Being a functioning church member isn't just about doing something big. It's not just about teaching a class or, or being a deacon. It's about greeting people at the door. It's about setting up tables for fellowship meals. It's about calling our members to check on them. And of course, it's about being evangelistic. There are hundreds of jobs to do, not all of them glamorous, but all of them essential for sure. Church membership, again, isn't just about getting your name in the database. It's about getting to work. It's about rubbing elbows with our family as all of us carry out the commands of this covenant community. I want to close with this little manifesto, the author of which is unknown, but I, I think it speaks to what we've been talking about tonight and what it means to be a church member. This is the manifesto. This is my church. It is composed of people just like me. It will be friendly if I am. It will do a great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I am generous. It will bring others into its fellowship if I bring them. Its seats will be filled if I fill them. It will be a church of loyalty and love, of faith and service. If I make it what it is and filled with these things, therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things that I want my church to be. In short, be a part of the solution. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Let's pray. Most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for another day. We pray that there be an end to this COVID mess soon, that we can all be back together, assembling as the church for in-person worship. We pray for all of those who are dealing with COVID, either directly or indirectly. We pray for our community, our frontline workers, all of those who are trying to get a handle on this virus. God, we pray that we can be a light in a dark time, that as the church, as Christians, we can shine the light of Christ that we can be everything that you would have us to be. We love you, God. We thank you, God. And it's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Well, the lights went out on me again. I guess that means it's time to quit. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.